It's good to be with you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. In the early service and even in the Life Center, several were asking, are you still at Calvary Hill? Yes, I am. And they were very kind and gracious when Keith asked if, if I could pinch hit for him today. And uh, we start Bible school tonight, so our DOM, Robert Dickard's uh, preaching for me this morning. And they've allowed me to come and be with you guys. And I, I mean this, it is a pleasure to be at the second best church in the association. <laughs> now you laugh like you don't believe it, but that's the truth, all right? Friday night, Kathy and I were sitting, we have a little seating area in, in our bedroom, and I said something about the service today, and she said, you have always enjoyed preaching at Mount Airy. I said, I do. And I mean that. I enjoy coming here. You folks are very kind and, and gracious. And in a lot of ways, uh, this is a second home for me. And because of that, as I told the early crowd, I treat you like my own. That means I'll always speak truth to you. And I'll always hold you accountable according to the Word of God. Now, I'm going to start this morning with this statement. Sometimes... The answer to one question can change not only history, but can change the history in your personal life. It can change everything. How do you think your life might be radically different today, next week, next month, if everything you said and did was filtered first through this question, what would Jesus do? Those of you who follow me on Facebook, you'll see periodically, I'll just post WWJD. That movement, as we know it, originated from what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. I felt very comfortable and very confident about what God wanted me to share with the Mount Airy family went into my office early this morning, as I've done now for almost 40 years, and immediately you heard your pastor say the same thing. God said, no, I've got something else I want you to share today. And as I shared at the early crowd, I'm sharing this message with the masses. I understand that, all three services. But the truth is, between all three services, only a handful of you, will make the commitment that God's asking for today. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. You shouldn't have any difficulty following me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, For you were called to this. We were called to what? Because of our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been called to suffer for Jesus just like He has suffered for us. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, a pattern to follow, that you should follow in his steps. Following and walking in the steps of Jesus. What do those words mean? It means a lifestyle that is given to obedience. It means a life of love, a life of faith. It means a life of imitation. 
as you attempt to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. Back in April, Kathy and I, we've never done this. In all of our years together, we took eight days off, went to the beach. All I took was my Bible, my laptop, a couple of books, and a notepad. My intent for the week was twofold, just to physically rest and spend as much time as I could with God getting my batteries recharged. Never turned on the TV in eight days. Every morning I'd get up early and I would read, I'd be in the Word. I don't know how many pages of notes that I handwritten. And in the midst of all of that time, God brought back into my life a book that I had read many years ago entitled, In His Steps. How many of you have read this book at some point in time? Okay. I'm shocked. Same thing in the early service. This is, is a Christian classic. It is fiction, but there's more truth here than any of us would ever want to admit. The premise behind this book, First Church, pastor by the name of Henry Maxwell, church that was well-known, the movers and the shakers in the community attended that church. Henry Maxwell was a great orator and well thought of in the Christian community. One Sunday morning, after he had finished his message, a tramp came from the back of the building and asked the pastor if he could say a few words. Henry Maxwell said, I don't know why I didn't resist, but I said, certainly. This tramp turned to the congregation and began to tell his story. This book was written back in the 1800s, so keep that in mind. He said, I lost my job over a year ago. Can't find work. Shortly after that, my wife died, and my only daughter is staying with friends as I try to find work. I've been in your city for three days now, and no one in this city has shared a comforting word except your pastor. And he wished me well in my search for a job. He said, I sat here in your worship today, much like what we have done. He said, I watched and I listened. And I listened to the words that you were singing. And I'm not here to cause a problem. But I do want to ask this question. Do you really believe and practice what you're singing? Are you really willing to give it all to Jesus? Because it's been my experience as I've traveled that very few Christians are willing to give their all. As he finished up his conversation, his talk, he collapsed right there at the altar. He had some heart conditions and they ministered to him. They took him to the pastor's home. And he was in the pastor's home several days. And on Friday, he died. The next Sunday morning, the pastor stood in the pulpit as he always had. His people could sense there's something different 
the day. He didn't speak like he was accustomed to speaking. And he told the congregation how troubled he was, and he just began to to share from his heart what God had shown him this past week through this tramp. Those in the congregation included Miss Rachel Winslow, a very gifted singer who could have been singing professionally. Virginia Page, a young millionaire heiress. Edwin Norman, the newspaper editor. Alexander Powers, superintendent of the railroad. Donald Marsh, president of Lincoln College. Milton Wright, a local merchant. Dr. West, a local surgeon. And Jasper Chase, a well-known author. And they and the others sat there that day as the pastor shared. And when the service was over, he looked at his people, just like I'm sharing with you today. And he said, I want to challenge you that for the next physical year, beginning today, I want to challenge you not to make a single choice or decision without first asking this question, what would Jesus do? If you're willing to make such a commitment, I want you to join me over here after the service. After the service, there were many who joined him. This continued throughout the year, and not only did it change the pastor, and not only did it change the church, but it changed an entire community. Superintendent of a railroad, very influential, gave up his job. Editor of the local newspaper changed how they wrote news. Miss Rachel Winslow, whom many had encouraged to go and sing professionally, was singing in the slums to the people. Now here's my question. Are you and I deceiving ourselves, thinking that God is pleased with what we consider to be normal in the body of Christ? Now, let me define what is normal today in the body of Christ, including Mount Airy Baptist Church, just like all the other churches. It's considered normal today to have conviction but without change. It's normal today to worship without commitment, to serve, but without sacrifice, to have traditions, but without God, to have expectations without giving, and to have comfort without a challenge. That has become the norm in the body of Christ today. And my question, are you willing to settle for so much less than what God himself has asked of us? He said, listen, my son has set an example for you. And it's my desire, not Dave Shorter's, it is my desire that you should follow in his steps. There's a story told in Luke chapter 9 
as they were traveling on the road, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And there was probably a time in your life when you made such a commitment. And yet Jesus, knowing that this individual could not fulfill that commitment, in the next verse said, listen, you don't understand the cost. The Son of Man does not even have a place to lay his head. You see, there is a cost involved in following the Lord Jesus Christ. That means there will be a change, possibly, of your lifestyle and or habits. It will mean the loss of friends, the loss of time, the loss of money, the loss of possessions. It will mean suffering, possibly like you have never, ever suffered before. And it will involve you swapping the comfortable for the uncomfortable. 104 times in the New Testament, Jesus said, follow me. In May, I shared this with my people at Calvary Hill. And I challenged them. And I had, I don't remember now, 15 or 20 of these books at the altar. And I said, those of you bold enough to make such a commitment, you come to this altar and you pray. And you better mean what you're praying. God will call you out. Can I get an amen? Come on now. Can I get an amen? I know maybe your pastor doesn't deserve amens, but we do here, all right? Can I get an amen on that? Don't you come here and pray at this altar if you don't mean it. But if you mean it, take a book back with you. Well, by Sunday night, all those books were gone. Every Sunday since, I've made sure there were six or eight books on that table. And every Sunday, they just seem to disappear. I have no idea how many of my people have made that commitment. But I'm holding them accountable. More importantly, God is holding them accountable. On that Sunday morning, there was a young mother, single mom. She hadn't been attending our church very long. She was the first one down the aisle. She took a book. She came to me and, and we prayed. She's had her children there. Every Sunday she's had her children. She's had them in church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Two or three weeks later, she came to me on a Wednesday night after our Bible study. She said, Dave, and we start early on Wednesday. We start at 6 o'clock. I know that's early. She said, Dave, I was on my way home from work. Traffic horrible between Greenville and Easley. And I was thinking, I'm, I'm just going to stay home tonight. By the way, that's how many of you think. I don't need to be there on a Wednesday night. I don't need to be there on a Sunday night. You see... I love you guys. That's the reason I treat you just like my own people. And the truth is, a lot of our people see no value in Wednesdays and Sunday nights. 
Amen? Or oh me. So, brother, you don't understand. It's the only time I have for my family. No, you don't understand. Jesus Christ gave his all, A-L-L, for you and your family and everything that you have. He is worthy of everything you can give him. He said, on the way home, I made up my mind, I, I can't go tonight. And then she said, that little question popped in my mind. What would Jesus do? Now remember, young mother, single mom, not even a member of our church, first one down the aisle that Sunday morning. And she said, I called my oldest daughter and I said, have the kids ready, I'm going to drive by and pick them up. She really didn't think her older daughter would come to the youth. She said, I pulled up in front of the house, here she came with all the little ones, she got in the car with me. And she said, I'm surprised. Are you going tonight? You know what she said? Mom, what would Jesus do? You see, we have the front doors of our lives nailed shut. We have the back doors of our lives nailed shut. We know not to let the devil in the front door and the back door, but it's through the cracks and the crevices that he creeps into our lives and into our homes and into our families to bring destruction. And he does that. He has that opportunity because we won't do what Jesus would have us do. There's never been a greater time and a greater need than now. For this world and for this nation to witness genuine, key word, genuine Christianity. In Mark chapter 10, you know the story, just listen closely. He was setting out on a journey. A man ran up, knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And he reminded the young man, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud and honor your father and mother. Now, time out. About this time in the conversation, this young man was feeling very good about himself. Because as Jesus was talking, he's doing what you and I do. He was checking off the boxes. Amen? Lord, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. And you're sitting here today, and some of you may already be offended because of what I've shared, but the truth is we're content with checking off our boxes regardless of what God requires. So, brother, what more can I do? I'm in church on Sunday morning. I was in Bible study. I sang in the choir. I serve on the committee. I drop a check in the plate. What more can I do? There is much more that you can do than just check the boxes off. And you're sitting here today, much like this young man, feeling very good about where you are in your daily walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the story continues. He said to him, teacher, I've kept all of these from my youth. Probably pretty excited about now. I'm about to find out about eternal life. Jesus looked at him 
And he said, you lack one thing. Haunting words. Haunting words. You lack. You lack. One thing. Go sell all that you have. and Give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The Bible says he was dismayed at this demand. And he went away grieving because he had great possessions. You lack one thing. Lord, I was at Mount Airy today and I was in Bible study. I sang, I gave. What more do I lack? You lack one thing. What is the one thing that we are lacking? Jesus Christ being the most important person and thing in your life. Not second or third, not even in the top five, that Jesus Christ is foremost in your life, above your spouse, above your children, above your grandchildren, above your vocation, above your hobbies. Jesus Christ first and foremost. There's an old hymn. Maybe you still sing it. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. And for you. I'm going to challenge you today. Just like I did my people. I wonder how many. Will have the spiritual guts. To admit. I know I'm saved. I'm active in this church. But Jesus isn't first in my life. I'm not walking in His steps. I'm not filtering every choice and every decision in my life with that question of what would Jesus do. If you would be willing to make that commitment today, not only will you be different, your home and family will be different. Mount Airy Baptist Church will be different. It won't be easy, and it certainly won't be comfortable. It'll be what God wants. Now, for the first person that's willing to come and make that commitment, I've had one book in all three services. If you walk down this aisle and say, Brother Dave, I want to do what Jesus would do, you take that book back with you. The rest of you need to read the book. You may not make the decision today. I hope you will. If you'll go read that book, you will be hard-pressed not to make such a commitment 
next Sunday. If we could stand before God today, and we are, if we could stand before Him in a physical form and look Him in the eye, and we begin to rattle off all the many things that we are doing for Him and feel good about it, and then have a holy God look us in the eye and say, whoa, wait a minute. There's one thing. There's still one thing that you're lacking. I'm an important part of your life, but I'm not your life. Folks, listen to me. This nation's going to hell right now in a handbasket. Can I get an Amen. You know where it began? When we Christians began cutting corners. When we stopped making our children come to church. When we stopped making time for God's Word in our daily life. When we started cutting corners, things began changing. And now the church, as you and I know it, the church, the body of Christ, is in steady decline. Eighty percent, I was shared this by an official this week, eighty percent of Southern Baptist churches, and I don't think we're unique, eighty percent of Southern Baptist churches are declining or dead. That's a horrible statistic. And you know why? Because you and I are not willing to do what Jesus would do. Father, reach down and your power and your might deep into our hearts and shake us and break us and move us today. We're far too comfortable in this nation, in the body of Christ. These are godly people. I know them. But Lord, because I know them, because I know my people at Calvary Hill, I know that few of us are willing to make such a commitment that everything in our life will be filtered with those four words. What would Jesus do? This is your time. I've been obedient. So, Lord, this is your time. Rock our world as only you can. And I pray this believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.